I'm Mark Beatty, Editor-in-Chief of Archives of Disease and Childhood. I've got Richard Russell, who's a paediatric gastroenterologist from Glasgow, with me today to discuss the recent article on the management of ulcerative colitis in children. Thanks for um, joining me, Richard. So, ulcerative colitis is there in children, all ages? Yes, so ulcerative colitis can present from a, a very young age. It usually presents with uh, a bloody colitis, so uh, diarrhea with bleeding in the vast majority of patients. In younger patients, it can be confused with allergy, so the younger the patient is, the more that becomes an important differential diagnosis. But the average age of ulcerative colitis diagnosis is usually at the end of primary towards secondary education, so around 10 and 11, so well away from that. Uh, infant age, but there are 5% of patients who present under the age of 5, so it is a, still an important differential diagnosis for younger children. So what should the paediatrician do if a patient presents with bloody diarrhoea? So the first uh, thing to do is, of course, to exclude infection. So uh, a bloody colitis lasting a few weeks, stool samples need to be sent, particularly to look for Clostridium difficile, so it's important to to exclude that, particularly for you know hospitalised patients or patients on antibiotics, but for any patient too. So once an infective cause has been excluded, and if the diarrhoea has been there for more than a few weeks, then serious consideration needs to be given to ulcerative colitis as a diagnosis. So moving on to do uh, simple blood tests, full blood count, ESR, CRP, and LFTs will show abnormalities and seven or eight out of ten patients. If there is any uh, diagnostic doubt, which is usually less in ulcerative colitis compared to different other types of IBD, then a faecal calprotectin can also be helpful. But for most patients, with the exclusion of infection, the diagnosis is relatively obvious. So the faecal calprotectin, which is being used, as you said, in lots of centres in the UK, is that raised if you've got an infection then? Or yes. is that specific for colitis? So this is a, a neutrophil protein, so it goes up in infection or inflammation. So it's not specific for inflammatory bowel disease, hence why it's so important to exclude infection. And there are also other causes too. So polyposis will give you a raised calprotectin as well. So if you have a patient with bleeding but there's no diarrhea, then polyposis may be more of an answer than uh, ulcerative colitis. So uh, it's important as a a marker for further investigation, but it's not absolutely specific for inflammation. And so what investigations would you do if you really think it's likely to be ulcerative colitis? Do all these patients need a colonoscopy? So it's very important that all of these patients get a a colonoscopy and usually an upper endoscopy as well because Crohn's colitis uh, can present in a similar way to ulcerative colitis and the treatments are, are different. And the outlook for patients is different. So it's very important, particularly before treatment is given, that endoscopists, paediatric gastroenterologists try and make as defined a a diagnosis uh, as possible. And can can you run through the treatments that are, what sort of treatments are used at the moment for ulcerative colitis? So for patients with mild to moderate disease to start with, they would normally be given a a mesalazine type preparation, a 5-aminosalicylic acid. They come in different forms for very young patients. Uh, under six, sulfasalazine is used because of its liquid preparation. And then there are two or three products which have granules, which are helpful for primary age children before moving on to tablets for uh, secondary 
education, patients and older. So mesalazine would be tried in most, usually to start with oral mesalazine, but then have a low threshold for introducing mesalazine enemas as well. The vast majority of patients with ulcerative colitis have a pancolitis, but still benefit from enema treatments. And then for patients not responding to those or patients with more significant disease, uh, steroids would be used. The important change in steroid treatment has been not to use too high a dose of steroids, so one milligram per kilogram with a maximum of 40 milligrams uh, once a day for patients. So historically, doses of two milligrams per kilo and higher were used, but there's no benefits to those higher doses. And then for patients who haven't responded to steroids, if they need acute treatment, then it's usually given now with uh, anti-TNF and fliximab. Or if it's a more chronic situation, then moving them on to steroid sparing agents like uh, azathioprine. What about if the child presents really unwell? Because that does occasionally happen. I mean, how soon should you be talking to a specialist and how soon should you be thinking about ulcerative colitis if someone presents very unwell with bloody diarrhoea? So acute severe colitis is a medical emergency and because it's a relatively rare condition, so each district general hospital may see one patient every one or two years, then it's very important that patients are worked up and discussed appropriately at a very early stage. So the Paediatric Ulcerative Colitis Activity Index is a very easy and useful way for somebody to uh, help objectively assess how bad a patient's ulcerative colitis is at the start. So there's a very simple guide within the article which will show you how to calculate this index. And despite its simplicity, so just using abdominal pain, stooling, uh, bleeding, and, and general impact of symptoms on the patient, it's very good at screening for initial therapy, second-line therapy, and then predicting the likelihood of colectomy during an inpatient uh, and subsequent stay out to a year. So every paediatrician who's looking after patients with ulcerative colitis should be familiar with this score and be able to calculate the score. Is that because some of the patients need urgent surgery? Patients don't usually need surgery immediately, so toxic megacolon is a, a very severe and significant complication of acute severe colitis, but very rare. So uh, our audits in the UK and children over the past uh, eight years have shown us that only 2 or 3% of patients with acute severe colitis will have this, so one or two patients in the UK per year. But patients who don't respond to steroid treatments within three or five days are certainly potentially at need of a colectomy, but they're certainly in need of another treatment apart from their steroids. And I think the point I would make is often these patients look relatively well to start with, and it's only when complications happen that then second-line treatment or colectomy is considered. It has to be considered at a much earlier stage for better patient outcomes to be had in the long run. So don't underestimate these patients. Use the paediatric ulcerative colitis index and discuss these patients with your tertiary paediatric gastroenterology team at a very early stage. So on the day of admission, or if not then, the day after admission at the very latest. And what's the long-term outcome? So for patients with ulcerative colitis, uh, around a third will stay well on mesalazine treatment, sometimes flaring. For those patients who have moderate disease, they often need courses of steroids or moving on to immunosuppression. But around 10 to 15% will need treatment with a biological agent at some point in their uh, ulcerative colitis time. 
And within paediatrics, about one in five patients still need a colectomy despite you know, the increased use of anti-TNF and immunosuppression in these patients. So surgery is still a significant risk, either acutely or chronically for a lot of these paediatric patients. And surgery is a cure? So surgery is certainly a good treatment for patients who need it, but it's not without its problems. So particularly after surgery, patients can have inflammation within pouch that's created. So normally they have a a neorectum created using small bowel to try and uh, allow patients to accumulate stool before they evacuate it. But pouchitis is a very common complication. And if you look at in the long term, patients can often still have continence issues, particularly overnight. And there are long term fertility and fecundity issues, particularly for females too. So it's not a cure. It's a good treatment for the right patient, but it doesn't mean that they don't need to be followed up or they'll have a life without problems after colectomy. So a difficult chronic condition, really. Do you think that um, there have been recent developments to make it better for these young people with ulcerative colitis? So uh, anti-TNF treatment has certainly helped in the acute situation. So around 7 out of 10 patients will respond to steroids in an acute episode, but for patients who didn't historically, that would mean colectomy for them all. Anti-TNF has meant that the inpatient colectomy rate, so the emergency colectomy rate, has reduced significantly. So around only 1 in 10 now will need a a colectomy uh, acutely. And even if anti-TNF is only delaying colectomy, then it gives the change of an emergency difficult situation to a controlled elective situation where Teenagers in particular can speak to stoma therapists, can speak to other patients who have stomas, and it puts them in a a different uh, psychological uh, situation to the emergency stoma situation. So the rate of colectomy has reduced slightly, but certainly the need for emergency colectomy has, has reduced significantly. Richard, thank you very much for joining me for this podcast. I'd like to commend the article to the readers. It's published in the May edition of the journal and is open access to read on the website. I'm Mark Beattie, Editor-in-Chief of Archives of Disease and Childhood. Thanks for listening.